Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! This episode is brought to you by Twizzlers. Long day, late night, feeling a little bored. Twizzlers is the ultimate sidekick for any moment of the day, no matter what kind of day you're having. The perfect level of sweet and a fun excuse to sit back and relax. Unwind with Twizzlers. To buy now, visit hersheyland.com slash Twizzlers. Hello and welcome to Rookie and Nice, the new podcast from BBC Good Food. My name is Miriam Nice. And I'm Nadia Zirfat, also known as the Rookie Chef. Unlike Miriam, I'm right at the start of my cooking journey. My day-to-day job is replying to your feedback and talking to you on our social media channels. Whereas I've been working in food and food writing for many years, including the last six at BBC Good Food. In this series, we're joining forces to deep dive into a recipe with an expert guest and help answer your cookery questions too. While I learn how to perfect a new dish, each week Miriam will be finding out how and when it's served and who to. Join us as we learn all about some of our favourite dishes and uncover some great cookery tips direct from the experts. Our guest today describes himself as an everyday guy, but he also has 15 Emmys for his TV shows, three restaurants, four cookery books, and 2.6 million YouTube subscribers. His name is Sam Zion, also known as The Cooking Guy, and he's joining us down the line all the way from San Diego. Welcome to the podcast, Sam. How are you? I'm good. I'm so happy to be here with you guys. Thanks. Oh, that's great. And quite the CV you've got there, Sam. So in your own words, can you tell us a little bit more about you and your work? Yeah. So you know what? As you were reading it, I was thinking, wow, that's quite impressive. (laughs) It's quite good. I wonder who they're talking about. Um, So I I, I was, I'll do this as quickly as I can. I, I hated what I did for a living for a long time. Like many of your listeners, I know a lot of people do what they don't like. And I tried to find a way out of it. And I had an idea 20 years ago for a travel show. Um, And I actually quit my job. I was the director of operations at a biotech company. And the idea was to try and start a travel show, or at least start 
enough that I could make a demo and then get that into people's hands. And hopefully people would go, oh my God, this is fantastic. We must put this guy on television. And I quit the job and a month later, preparing to take a trip to Tokyo and Hong Kong to shoot some demo footage. A month before we went, 9-11 happened. And, and clearly that changed a lot of things for many, many people, much more significantly than it did for me. But in the days following, uh, you know, 9-11, uh, nobody was buying a travel show, especially from a guy who had barely traveled. Um, so I sat at home, I, um, I watched television, I had no job, and I came across this local news program here in San Diego one morning that had a chef on. And the chef was making, it was September, like a butternut squash soup thing. Um, but he was so boring. He was probably very talented in the kitchen. And as I watched this, I thought, well, you know, what if somebody did a cooking segment, but rather than just trying to fill seats in a restaurant, they were encouraging and people would watch. And instead of saying that looks good, but now let's go to that restaurant, they would watch and they'd say that looks good, but I think we could also make that. So that was the goal. So I changed from travel to cooking, started doing a two minute cooking segment twice a week on a local channel here. They, they liked me, they put me on TV, even though I had no experience. Uh, they didn't pay me though. <laughs> and I didn't actually ask to be paid because I didn't know anything. And I knew this was about me learning. And so the first year I didn't make any money. Uh, the second year, they started paying me a little bit. Uh, then it became a half-hour show that won a couple Emmys. Uh, now there's 15 of them, as you mentioned. Um, a publisher came along, and about my third year, second year of being on television, said, would you like to write a cookbook? And I did, and that was um, uh, called Sam the Cooking Guy, Just a Bunch of Recipes. And um, that did well. They came back two months after that was published and bought my next two, two cookbooks. So then there was three. Anyway, so then somewhere along the way, about eight years ago, we started YouTube. And nobody watched in the beginning. When I say nobody watched, I mean like maybe a thousand views on a, on a video on a good day. In 2018, we had 30,000 uh, subscribers to the channel. In 2019, we had a million subscribers. In 2020, we had... 2 million. Now we're knocking on uh, 2.7 million. Um, and it's just, just crazy hundreds of thousands of views on, you know, on a, on a video in the first, you know, week or so that it comes out. We've really found our, our niche or niche as we might say. I say I'm a regular everyday guy. I didn't go to culinary school, so I can't do sophisticated things, but that's okay. You go out for the stuff you can't make or don't know how to make, or maybe even don't want to make. But I think that my style, which is literally the guy next door who maybe swears more than the guy next door does, but um, we're showing people, we believe how to, how to cook. And the evidence I have is how many people come up to me and say, uh, I know how to cook because of you. Uh, we watch you, we never used to cook, we bought everything fast food, frozen food, and now we're making this and this and this on a regular basis. And that was the goal, and that makes me feel really good. In 2018, I opened my first restaurant with partners. They're called Not Not Tacos. Uh, and look, San Diego's, you know, downtown San Diego is 20 minutes to the Mexican border. We have amazing Mexican food here. 20 minutes south, best Mexican food in the world. Taco shops are 
everywhere in, uh, in San Diego, everywhere in Southern California, really. And I thought the last thing that San Diego needed was more Mexican-inspired tacos. So the idea for Not Not Tacos was things that I would make at home for family, for friends, things that weren't typical Mexican ingredients. We have a Korean short rib taco. We have an Asian salmon. We do smoky pulled pork with macaroni and cheese. We have a Nashville hot fried chicken taco. It's that kind of stuff. You know, pastrami with um, a horseradish kind of sauce underneath and pickles on top and melted cheese. And they're all great. They're all delicious. They're all very different. And the name came because eventually at some point when we were getting ready to do this, I would describe the tacos to somebody and say, well, look, are they tacos or aren't they? Because they don't have those Mexican ingredients in it. No carne asada, you know, no uh, pollo, that kind of stuff. And I'd say, well, they're not not tacos. And then, you know, one of the girls uh, in our little group, uh, restaurant group, uh, went, that should be it. Not not tacos. And it's a great name because it's it's a weird name and you don't really know what it is. And now people get it. And then uh, just before the pandemic hit, we opened another restaurant called Gray's by Sam the Cooking Guy. Graze, as in what a, a cow might do when they eat, which is a little bit of grass here, a little bit of grass here. So it's shareable food. They're flatbreads and charcuterie boards and salads and, and stuff like that, both in Little Italy here in San Diego. And then uh, we opened a third one called The Hamburger Place, uh, I think brilliantly named Samburgers. <laughs> just, just writes itself. Uh, we opened that up about six months ago, and we're opening a second one in the food hall where... Uh, not not tacos is uh, in a couple weeks. So w w look, um, the food in the restaurants is exactly the kind of stuff that we do on YouTube. It's uh, it's easy to it's easy to make. I say uh, small in effort, big in big in taste, and um, and uh, recipes that we do on YouTube are items in our restaurants. And every so often, our friend will say, "Come on, man, how can you put a shrimp taco on the menu at not not when you've done it on tv you've done it on youtube and it's in one of your cookbooks and i just look at him and i think you're missing the reasons why people go out to eat just because you can make a grilled cheese have you had a grilled cheese out in a restaurant before and he goes of course i go well the same thing uh it's the insecure restaurateurs that won't give a rest a recipe you might not get exactly everything but if you have an amazing meal at a place and you go home and you're still thinking about it and you call them up and you go, was there something special in that fettuccine? Because it really, really was delicious. They'll tell you. The insecure guys think that giving away that secret ingredient is going to crash their restaurant. Somebody's going to go build a whole restaurant based around that one recipe. It's ridiculous. No. Good restaurants are confident. They don't care. We want people to come to the restaurants. Seems like the more I do on YouTube and then say, this is in the restaurant, more people show up to have it. It's great marketing for us and should be for everybody. I think that's that's really interesting because a lot of people yeah. are quite protective over their recipes, but I love the fact that you've made cooking a lot more accessible to people. I think it can, can be so daunting, especially when you're mm. just starting out in the world of cooking and you don't know what's what. I mean, like when I joined Good Food... I love food, but I wouldn't call myself a, a cook or a chef. But I've just sort of picked it up because the team have made it a lot more accessible for me. They're open to explaining and, you know. Yeah. But on that note, we have some cookery questions from our audience. Yes. Just Bring for you. <laughs> so. Love, love this. Go ahead. Well, Marky H24, <laughs> this one's for you. Uh, they asked, what is your favorite herb? 
Probably, probably cumin. Smoked paprika is way up there too. I love. I say if you're gonna buy paprika, just just buy just smoked paprika. Forget it. You will never be sorry. <laughs> um. And I love dill. Love dill. I just cured my own salmon the other day, and it's really easy. It's salt, sugar, and then I added some uh, chopped up dill to it, and it was insanely delicious. Locks basically. I feel like yeah. you've just um, listed Miriam's three favorite herbs as I well. Know, I'm, I'm pretty like, sure. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you'd yeah. put in like some it's tough, but, Nigella but, but seeds. Marky, then, yeah. No, no good, good question, Marky. And, um, you know, I've got a giant spice cabinet, you know, all dried herbs and stuff. And uh, I use about 10%. <laughs> the top shelf is generally where I go to. It's the things that, that I like and I go to all the time. So... Um, our first guest, Nikita, calls them your usual suspects, yeah. the, the things mm. you reach for all the time. Um, so it seems you have fans all over the world. The Murph Who Bakes said, when are you ever going to come to Ireland? As soon as we can, when things open up again. Uh, we're on a plane back there. Can't wait. Really can't wait. I'm sure they're going to be very pleased to hear that. Yeah. And, and I do a good uh, Irish accent, but it involves swear words, so I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i like to think my accents are good but they're not at all i, I try not to repeat it too much let, let me hear your best american accent i Can you? i actually think i'm quite good at american accents yeah. my cousin's american so like what do you think go ahead i'm doing it oh sorry 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 i was i was, I was it's I was so natural it. okay it's so natural you didn't even notice is this not american i'm doing it like no it is yeah it's pretty good yeah should I just do the rest of this interview in an American accent? I might not have known. Had you started off like that, I might not have known. I can hear just a little whisper of... I, um, when I used of, to visit my cousin in Chicago, we'd go into the shops and pretend to be sisters. So I'd do that accent yeah. and uh, they probably didn't believe me, but um, that was like my training for this very moment. My whole life has led up to this. That's um, absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And you didn't even notice you were doing it. I mean, yeah, that was I know. spectacular. I'd say that's good. <laughs> Yeah. It's very good. Yeah. Miriam? <laughs> no, I can't. I'm rubbish at accents. Uh, the only not thing that will happen is I'll just drift into a Nottingham accent at some, some <laughs> point and start calling you duck. Before we move on to the next question, I have to ask now, can you do a, a British accent? <clears throat> I can. Um, I only I can only feel like it's like a royal family, the high level of, you know, the... <clears throat> Um, oh, I'm really prepped for this. Big suspense. <laughs> I have to be. No, sorry, I didn't mean to do that. I, but I have to sort of get my get my head get into the, the rest. Of, yeah. um, look, I'm going to explain this to you just one last time, uh, Miriam. What I want you to do when you go home today, take a few minutes, stand in front of the mirror, and practice your American accent. It's only listen to me now. Stop laughing. It's only by practice that you will truly find your way to speaking just like the thousands and thousands of americans in this country rather annoying at times we don't expect a tennessee accent from your alabama <laughs> just a straight perhaps california version can you do that for me that's spectacular that? yeah it's <laughs> a little good. bit of like david attenborough going on in there yeah. that's pretty, that's pretty solid. i heard a twinge of german somewhere as yeah. well i feel no <laughs> german stop it now Smattering of scottish but it was very good <laughs> It's like a hybrid. It's a hybrid. I like it. I'm here for it. Um, Okay, so should we get on to the main recipe, the reason that we're here? Um, For anyone that doesn't know, can you please explain what chimichangas are? 
Is that how you say it, chimichangas? Uh, we would Chimich- say chimichanga. Okay. Can you please yeah, explain? Say this word. Yeah, say this word. T a c o. How would you say that? T a c o. Oh, <laughs> I just spelled it. Taco. Taco. Yeah. You say taco. Okay. Do you say taco? taco. Say taco. Yeah. Yeah. Taco. Yeah. Taco. Tomato. Tomato. Uh, so, ch- chimichanga, <laughs> as we would say, it's kind of an American invention of a Mexican food item. So, uh, the the best way to explain it is is if you made a burrito. And rather than just roll it up in the generally uh, accepted flour tortilla, you rolled it up and then you either baked it in the oven to get it crispy or you shallow fried it in a pan, you know, in like a quarter of an inch of, of oil. And what it does, it helps the stuff that's inside obviously heat up. It melts cheese that's inside. But it gives it that, for me, it gives it that very important textural component a burrito generally is lacking texture you might put you know fries inside it or maybe something crispy bacon or something like that but it doesn't have that and for me when i put together a dish a taco new taco for the restaurant i try and make sure there is some uh opposites uh, textures in it you know my favorite food is really japanese because they're masters at combining soft and and hard crispy and soft and cold and warm you know that kind of stuff so you're getting a burrito that has all the deliciousness of a regular burrito but then you're crisping it up on the outside and it can be served just like that i like to serve it uh, with enchilada sauce like a little pool of it underneath this and then sour cream and maybe cheese and and uh i was going to say cilantro again but i didn't want to say that i want to say uh coriander uh, coriander yes of course coriander <laughs> the texture thing is exactly right like it turns the the tortilla like wrap into almost pastry like it's so yes. like extra crispy and flaky mm. and delicious like, absolutely brilliant no it's it's really good but the thing to remember and uh and we will i will uh voice this recipe after so people will be able to find it online right yeah this episode is brought to you by twizzlers long day late night Feeling a little bored? Twizzlers is the ultimate sidekick for any moment of the day, no matter what kind of day you're having. The perfect level of sweet and a fun excuse to sit back and relax. Unwind with Twizzlers. To buy now, visit hersheyland.com slash Twizzlers. Am I allowed to say that? That's not yeah. a surprise. The thing to remember Spoilers. with this and any recipe, I like to tell people you should look at a recipe like it's a suggestion. This version that we'll put up that, that Mary made is made with chicken. Yeah. And it's made with chicken thighs because I find those more moist, more tender, juicier, less easy to dry out. I think they're better. I cook with them as often as I can. But the point is, if you don't like chicken thighs, use chicken breast. If you don't want to use chicken and you want to use shrimp, use shrimp. There's no rule to what can or cannot be in these things. If you've had a big um, Sunday roast, that's what you guys call it, right? Yep. You've got a, you've got a Sunday roast, nice, uh, and um, you've got leftover um, potatoes and um, some like bits of the roast beef ends and scraps or whatever. It'll work perfectly. 
you know, you're cooking the chicken before you put it in. So if you've got roast beef or some leftover steak or something like that, absolutely put them in. Make it exactly the way you want to eat it. That's the genius part of cooking. That was one of the things I was going to ask you, because in the notes, in the recipe, you said um, refried beans are optional, but they shouldn't be. Can you tell us more about that? I love that. I know. <laughs> so, you know, refried beans are, are hugely important in, in most Mexican <clears throat> cooking, sort of the old school stuff. There's the fusion restaurants that might have super fancy ones, or they use black beans because they want to keep them a little bit lighter because the traditional refried beans have lard in them. Um, and that's okay. But I do think that they work really well in a, in a chimichanga. Uh, shrimp one, uh, shrimp and refried beans to me is this sort of crazy magical combination. Chicken refried beans, amazing. Steak, carne asada if you were going to make it. And by the way, there's a carne asada recipe. Do you guys make carne asada? You know what it is? So Mexican, marinated, Mexican marinated beef that you cook quickly on the on the. You marinate it for a few hours, um, and then you cook it on the on the grill, uh, thin meat, chop it up, and then you put it in a taco or or burrito or whatever you want. And by the way, the recipe is so good, you should make it. And I, I, I get nothing from having you guys make my recipe, so it's not like I'm making money by pimping <laughs> this particular carne asada <laughs> recipe. All I will get is the joy of knowing that you guys are now eating something that I invented. I didn't invent, but I got a version of it. <laughs> That's, that's great. Look, anything that you want to put in, you should put in. And by the way, if you wanted to make just an all vegetable version of it, absolutely. I would saute the vegetables, cook all the vegetables first. Lots of onion. What do you call peppers? Uh, like a peppers. standard green, yeah. a, like a green, green pepper? pepper, red pepper. Yeah. Yeah. There's not another word. Aubergine. What's that? Well, that's an eggplant, right? Yeah. You could, I love, yeah. I love this game. <laughs> um, but so, so I would saute them all. And then put them with a bunch of cheese, whatever kind of cheese, preferably something that melts really nicely. Uh, and then roll that up. It doesn't have to be some kind of animal protein inside. It really doesn't. You can uh, make anything the way you want to your tastes and frankly should. Because <laughs> I was going to ask you about the, um, there, there are some ingredients on there that we would struggle to get a little bit. Well, I struggled to get them. Um, and I just wonder if I could just chat some options. I mean, you're saying you can kind of put in what you want, but just some ideas for sure. some substitutions for that particular recipe. Uh, yeah. You said like enchilada sauce is actually a little bit tricky to get. Is it? Is it hard to get? Um I wonder what substitute I mean, you would have you could, for it. I wondered whether you could either sort of spice up some um, passata or you yes. can get the kind of um, a base for like a chili sauce. And I, I what I yeah. did, I got a jar of that and I blended that so it was a bit smoother. Is that okay? <laughs> no, it's a, no, it's a, it's a hundred percent okay. No, 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 it's it's a it's a hundred percent okay. And uh, and uh, passata with like some. Um, some seasoning and spice to it. I mean, you could even just take posada and add some bottled hot sauce to it. Oh, your favorite. Nice. Okay. You know, I'm not maybe not like a sriracha, maybe something more in the Latin world. Yeah. But those two together would be would be really delicious. And then the point is to take that and warm it up. Um, if you wanted, you could use um, can you find like salsas there, like green Mexican salsa, that yeah, kind of stuff? Some salsa, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you could do the same thing. You could take like a chunky green salsa that, you know, 
you, I close my eyes and walk into any supermarket in this city and just reach out my hand, I'll hit a jar of some kind of salsa, whether it's fresh or jarred or whatever. You could take that, you might blend that up. There is something nice about the sauce on the bottom being a little, not thin like water, but not super chunky. Yeah. So I might take a hand mixer and, and blend that up a little bit. Um, Great. But tomato sauce would be fine, but it does need to be seasoned well. So for sure, salt and pepper, some spice should go into it. Cayenne, paprika, chili powder would be really good. And chipotle chili powder, if you can find it. You which can get that. I'm sure you can. <laughs> I had that. Um, but that the, would, oh. the chilies, the um, chopped canned chilies, I couldn't get. So I just drained Diced a the, uh, whole jar of um, jalapenos and blitzed those. And that was great. Oh, that would be fine. <laughs> sure. That would be fine. So diced green chilies, as the recipe calls for, would be a little, um, a little milder than the jalapenos. But jalapenos are not really all that hot. No, they weren't crazy. They have the sort of an impression of being hot. They're not. Uh, I made a tomatillo. Do you know what tomatillos are? Yeah. I made a tomatillo salsa the other day. And um, not as, uh, uh, nodding no. <laughs> is that but is that your taco, the taco video that you put up recently? Yeah, the, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No. The bar, the, <laughs> no, it's okay. I love that you watch. The barbacoa one. Yeah, yeah. And so I made my own tomatillo salsa with it. It's really good. That kind would be perfect for this underneath. The point is that you take this, the beautifully cooked, now gorgeously crispy chimichanga, a.k.a. crispy burrito, really, and just nestle it on a plate in, in a bowl with some sauce underneath. And when you cut it open and the insides spill out a little bit, they benefit from this sauce it just adds to the whole thing and then i always like to put sour cream on top and either more coriander or another kind of you know sauce on top it's really good and then you know an easy mexican rice recipe to go with that and i love you know more refried beans on the side that's just me i would take my the plate put it in the microwave heat the beans uh, or take them out of a pot and then sprinkle a little cheese on top so the cheese starts to melt oh, that's why i should have done that yeah, it's good. It's really good. Did you put, did you find refried beans? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Refried beans oh, were you fine. Okay. It was the only those. Oh, and the third one was um, Monterey Jack cheese. I could find it, but only Just in Jack? slices. And so I had to sort of oh. smush them together and grate that, which was quite fun. But I, I would have thought like a, a medium cheddar or like a double Gloucester might be all right. Would that be? Yeah. Um, cheddar, you know, I just find certain cheeses melt better yeah. inside something like that. I'm not the hugest cheddar fan. Um, just straight Jack cheese is hard to find. Yeah. Maybe you don't call it Monterey Jack, but do you call it just, not just Jack cheese? No, hmm. no, we don't really have it. But um, I think we probably, I mean, the kind of sort of Pro supermarket Provolone? kind of, not really, you can get it in specialist no. shops, but I would have thought the kind of, maybe a double Gloucester would be all right, or a... Um, I, don't, I don't think I know exactly what that yeah, is. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a similar kind of creamy texture and... Um, yeah. Would would melt quite well, I think. Or like yeah. a, a standard sort of a medium cheddar might be okay because it's not too yeah. um, sharp. I was going to ask you, when did you fall in love with cooking? Mm. I, I fell in love with cooking about two years after making that demo. I mean, up to that point, I was really learning. I didn't cook, uh, you know. I My wife did all the cooking literally all of it. 
I did the grilling outside because, well, I am a man and there's some expectation that this is something we should be able to do. And I did not fulfill my manly duties very well. I would take chicken or steak or something out to the grill and ruin it and bring it back inside. <laughs> and we would eat it quietly, never discussing the fact that it was wrecked. But I just didn't know. And this is an argument that I use for people now. In my third cookbook I wrote, cooking is like riding a bike. The more you do it, the better you get. Well, the reality is everything is like riding a bike, being an accountant, being a doctor, being a teacher, being a truck driver. When you start something, you're okay at it. Maybe you're awful at it, but practice, it's, right? Makes the difference. People come up and say, I can't cook. And I go, no, I bet it's that you don't cook. They go, you're right. Once I got past those first couple years, I was now comfortable with it. You know, it's like you go to a new job and you don't know anybody. You don't know where your desk is or where the kitchen or the water cooler is or how the business works or when meetings are and you're nervous and you're getting in there. A couple weeks in, now that you've seen it, now you're comfortable. It's Alan over there. There's Judy. I know where the HR department is. I know where this is. I'm comfortable. I got my routine down. It's like that. It was like that for me. It took me a while to figure out who I wanted to be on camera. And it seems ridiculous, just be yourself. But in my mind, I had this idea I needed to be like all the other TV chefs. And then when I learned how not to be like them and to be like me, and there's only one version of me now. My wife would say, if you like Sam on YouTube or TV, you'll like him off because he's exactly the same. She also says, if you hate him on YouTube or TV, <laughs> You'll hate him <laughs> off because he's exactly the same. But it took me a while. I learned, I was, now I'm learning how to cook. I did really basic stuff in the beginning. In the beginning, to make this chimichanga, I would have bought a chicken already roasted from the supermarket that are like one of the handiest things ever. We call them deli roasted chickens. You have them, right? Yeah, we have them, yeah. Yeah. Now, I would show people how to make that chicken themselves, either whole or using thighs or breasts or something. Because that's skill. It's the whole teach a man to fish or give a man a fish concept. We're teaching people to fish. That's what I think we're doing. As I said, yes, like I made I made these yesterday. They yeah. were really good. I ate two. Yeah. I've got no regrets about that. Um, you were saying <laughs> that you'd serve um, some refried beans or some rice alongside it. Is there anything else that you'd serve if you were going to make yeah, it a bit well, bigger? Yeah, we're, we're, I mean, um, either lots of grilled vegetables if I wasn't making a specifically a veggie version, mm -hmm. and people shouldn't, if you're, if you're a full-on carnivore, you should not turn up your nose at like what a veggie version of this would be. Vegetables are amazing. They really, really are. Uh, and, and so just try and get your head around it. But if I wasn't making a veggie version, I think lots of really good grilled vegetables um, I would serve on the side. We are salad people. So every meal, every dinner for us consists of a big salad and some protein. That's very typical. Probably four nights a week we do that. It's like a big salad with chicken on it, grilled chicken or shrimp or, you know, uh, steak, that kind of thing. We love that. It sort of helps us to eat better um, at least four times a week. Instead of a burger or sandwich, you know, my wife loves the burgers at, um, at my restaurant, Sandburgers. And she'll say, can we get them? And I go, of course we can get them. And we don't do that too often. But 
A good burger is a great thing, boy. But then we'll have some salad. No, maybe not with the burger. Maybe then it becomes fried. <laughs> but yeah, but so that would be good. Refried beans are excellent. Simple Mexican rice. We've done that before. Is a really delicious thing to make, um, and would go perfectly with this. And here's another thought. Um, I had a burrito, proper burrito, not this kind, in my fridge, left over from like the day before. And I looked at it and went, I know what I'm going to do with that. I'm going to kind of make that into French toast. And somewhere on YouTube is this, I don't know what we call it, but I took a slice of it. So imagine, you know, the burrito's long. I took a slice about this thick. Mm -hmm. I got it to room temperature. Maybe I just gave it a quick 10 seconds in the microwave. So everything was warm inside. But then I dipped it in beaten egg that had a little milk stirred in with it, like you would regular French toast. But I just dipped the edges of it in, the cut ends, and then did that. And it got that extra crispy. Because this, if you didn't eat the whole thing, the next day it's going to start to lose some of its crisp. But you do that French toast thing with it. Oh, my God. It was crazy. <laughs> and then some sour cream and, and you know, some, some salsa or something on top of it. And more coriander. It's just great. That sounds delicious. And um, if you were going to serve it as a main course... Um, if you're going to yeah. make a menu around it, what are you going for for starter and dessert? You know, it's interesting. We um, we don't eat when we entertain that way. We seldom would, would you wouldn't come over here for dinner. If we, you guys were in San Diego and I said, come for dinner, we wouldn't sit down at a table and you would have start with a salad and then the chicken and then mashed potatoes maybe, and then there'd be some dessert. We prefer the, and maybe it's because I love to cook. I love variety. Um, we prefer the five, a little bit of five or six different things. Probably there would be some form of salad in the evening. But this, I might make small versions of these then, or make a couple of bigger ones and then give people a piece of it. But then there might be some, you know, some grilled carne asada to go along with it. Maybe some small fresh tortillas. You can make your own little baby tacos. Sort of keep the whole theme thematic, perhaps, you know. Um, we're fans of gazpacho. Love gazpacho. It's so fresh. It's so light. We're starting to get to that season where it's a great thing. So there would be, you know, a big pot of that that people could ladle into small cups for themselves so i absolutely did not answer your question <laughs> oh you did yeah. i think no, you that's did. fine no yeah. not even and not even close i am um, i hate to be rude and invite ourselves but if me and miriam ever find ourselves in san diego we're coming for dinner because that sounds yeah, great I, that sounds great no a, 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 a thousand percent yes you'll be here <laughs> and so for dessert if i was i'm really not a huge dessert guy i don't i just i'm not a fan of too many sweets but there's a version you do you guys know what churros are yeah yes right. i know that so there's one a version, <laughs> there you go yes. so there's a version that i make of of churros um but i don't make the batter and then squeeze it out into into you know boiling water i take puff pastry sheets and once they're defrosted i cut them into like one inch long strips and i put them on parchment paper and i put them in the oven and it takes about 20, 25 minutes and they puff up and they get crispy. And as soon as they're done, you take them out and you toss them in um, 
the sugar that has cinnamon in with it. Or if you want to be a little different than the cinnamon, you could put uh, Chinese five spice in, which has kind of got a similar flavor profile, but just takes it in a slightly different direction. So like a little bowl of really good ice cream, you know, the, the Dolce de Leche would be delicious. Some very significant vanilla bean-esque version. But then you get these warm churros. And if you make them about this big, you got a little pile of them, you know, all stacked up on the on a plate. People can just pick up one of these things and then either have them with some ice cream or you've melted some chocolate to dip them in. That's a really, really fun thing to do. And I'm very um, happy to make things that my guests get to have their hands on at some point, you know? Um, we like shrimp. We're huge shrimp fans here. And we like to skewer shrimp the long way, not like a sea, but so this shrimp is in this position and the tail's down here and the skewer goes up like that. So it's sort of straight, um, yeah. Sort of straight, mm -hmm. yeah. So we'll I'll skewer 30 of those and then have a couple sauces. And you know that big round uh, flat top that I use to cook on in my backyard? Whether it's that or it's a big flat griddle or, or whatever, uh, my guests can come up, they can take a shrimp, they can dip it in some little Asian-inspired sauce, little Mexican-inspired sauce, just do salt and pepper if they want, and on the grill, and they'll, they stand there, they're master of now their own appetizer, it takes the heat off of me, lets them do something, it gives them a job, but a fun job. I'm not saying go clean my kitchen. <laughs> I'm saying the, the appetizers are outside, they're now on you. Help yourself. And yeah. people really enjoy that. Yeah. Here's the thing. I think people are so happy not to have to be the one to have the party. <laughs> but they want to go to a party and they're happy to bring things. <clears throat> and they're certainly happy to do a little grilling or mixing of a salad or open wine and pour that kind of stuff. They're just happy they don't have to do all this stuff <laughs> themselves. So you invite them over and give them a couple small jobs. They feel like they're part of it. It yeah. takes the heat off of you. And it's fun. It sounds really fun. So, yeah. I mean, that also sounds like a delicious selection of food. And mm. we're going to invite ourselves to that. But who else would you invite um, in your... You can have whoever you want, as well as us. Um, <laughs> you can have those fictional. They can be dead or alive. But you're, oh, you're fantasy guests. <clears throat> okay, well, two people right off the top would be my grandmothers. Yeah. Because... Um, by the time I was old enough to appreciate them, period, not just their amazing food ability, but just appreciate them, period, they'd passed away. And on top of that, they were instinctive, amazing cooks, not recipe cooks. So I would, I would, for sure would want them. So now, now this is the point where I'm supposed to be smart and come up with some intelligent <laughs> it's name. It's a tough people question. Like, oh my God. <laughs> God, look at him. Where did he get that name from? And I just, God, I'm at, you could have said this in an email. Let me prep a little bit. I'm just like, it's who mean. would mean. I like to have? You are mean. Uh, don't bring me into this. Um, it's Miriam's idea. She, she uh, wrote the script. It was uh, me. All right, all right, all right. God, I might have to think about this for a minute. Who in history would I like to... Hmm. alive or dead 
Yeah, alive, dead, or even fictional. I think um, Jacques Pepin, the chef, very famous French chef, he is alive, but he has this style that is so sort of comforting. And he has a tiny bit of a lisp. I really like listening to him. He's got a, and he's old. He's, well, he's old. I mean, I'm old. He's probably 80 something now. Uh, and he's just started Instagram stuff, I think, in the past uh, maybe year or two. I just love, his style is so just really wonderful to watch. You should watch some of his stuff. And then, of course, he's got all that growing up in a farm in France and the, the animals and the butchery that was going on and the grandparents cooked and that kind of thing it would be really would be really fascinating to me, I think. Great. And I think that is actually all we've got time for, Sam. It's been absolutely no, brilliant. Thank you so much you for guys, joining us. Thank you. And um, Sam will be recording his chimichanga recipes so you can cook along too. And that will be available as a separate episode at the weekend and will also be available on bbcgoodfood.com. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Rookie and Nice, a new podcast from BBC Good Food. For recipes and more information, please visit bbcgoodfood.com slash podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Acast, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts to never miss an episode. 